Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to assemble together. We ask that you would guide and direct the time we study your word, that you would encourage us, give us a little better overview of the book of Revelation. And Lord, we just ask that you would just bless our services to come on Christmas Eve and Christmas Sunday. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And this is our first slide here. And uh, all of you that had a part in voting to get a new computer, I am extremely thankful. This will be probably the last time I will have to use this one in public. Amen. And uh, it keeps doing more and more weird stuff as the time goes on. Now, I hope you don't mind, we won't be referencing and turning to passages in our Bible and just looking at at, at words and things tonight, but we will be covering a lot of references to uh, different scriptures. This is a basic chronology of the book of Revelation. The timeline here is we have the... Uh, If you'll remember, uh, Revelation chapter 1, and let's just look there. Um, My my favorite way of teaching is just opening the pages of the Bible, getting into the words and, and just going through them. But sometimes this kind of thing where we bring a lot together, a lot of different passages helps us see. Verse 19 is the timeline of the book of Revelation Write the things which thou hast seen. That is the vision of Jesus on the island of Patmos, most of of chapter 1, the things which are. Those are the letters to the churches. There were seven churches in existence as John wrote the book of Revelation. The problems in those churches are the ones described in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. And yet, we can read those stories today, those letters that Jesus wrote about between 95 and 105 A.D., depending on whose time uh, scale you are using. And we see things going on in our church today. We see things going on in churches like this. This is why we don't believe that they are seven church ages. We believe they are seven churches and that each church needs to listen to the message of Jesus to his churches to be warned. We are 2,000 plus years since the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Well, not quite. Uh, We've got about another 15 or so years to get right there. Uh, 2,000 or so years since Jesus' birth. And uh, we are now waiting for... God's time clock to start ticking again. When it does, this is going to be uh, uh, the events of the book of Revelation, the things which shall be hereafter. Now, if we do not take verse 19 literally and then apply verse 19 to the rest of the book of Revelation, we can come up with all kinds of things. But if we take uh, Revelation chapter 1 as a uh, simple verse, as a simple chronology of the book of Revelation, then that puts the rapture in a future date. Uh, Didn't happen October 22nd. Uh, Didn't happen May 21st. Uh, Didn't happen in 1994. My wife and I were getting married in September of 1988 was the year we were married and a man had written a book 80 what was it 87 reasons or 88 reasons why Jesus would return in 88 he wrote the sequel 89 reasons why Jesus will return in 89 Uh, after that he shut up as he should have in the first place amen Uh, The Bible tells us no man knows the day or the hour. We are waiting. Uh, It can't be long, my friends. I know I'm in good company because that's what Paul said. So if the Apostle Paul believed that Jesus could return in his lifetime, how much closer 
are we? Now, Joe, you go sit with Andrew and no more fussing, please. I think we got Stephen number two working here. Some of you may remember those days. There was one night, Stephen actually sat up here behind the pulpit, looking this way. And uh, do you remember that, Stephen? Yes. That was the last time I had to do anything in in church. I don't think uh, Joey's gotten there yet, but we're working on it, aren't we? And so, the thing that everybody gets caught up about is all of the judgments in the book of Revelation. And we will go over those verse by verse, word for word, and, and explain those. The 70th week of Daniel, which we'll look at the next chart and kind of find out how, why we call it that and all of those things. Two periods of 1260 days. If you can see the fine print, the first 1260 days is roughly the first seals, the first six seals. The seventh seal is made up of seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet is seven vials. And we'll be looking at those judgments. And those were when all of the bad things happened. Uh, Jesus said in the book of Matthew that if those days should not be shortened, no flesh should survive. The best we can tell by adding up the figures in the book of Revelation, somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters of the world's population is going to die in less than seven years. If that were to commence today, we have roughly six and a half billion people on the face of the earth. That's two and a half. No, what am I saying? That is somewhere between three and a half and four billion people dying in less than seven years. It is something that no one can even begin to imagine. And yet, this is the time of God's judgment. And if that scares you, it ought to. But, remember the promises of God. He says, I'm going to keep you. What he said to two different churches. One church, he said, those, not the church... Not the saved, but those that were in the church, the children of Jezebel that totally disregarded the word of God, they were going to be cast into tribulation. And then he told the other church, that uh, church at Philadelphia, I believe, that I'm going to protect you from the great hour of tribulation. And this is one of the reasons we believe, one of many reasons we believe in what we call the pre-tribulation the premillennial rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture is not found in your Bible. It just simply means a time of great joy. I get a little frustrated every time I drive down 35th Street. I get to the corner of 28th Avenue, and there's a bar there. It's called rapture. Now, how can you have great joy imbibing strong depressants? Because that's what they serve at bars. Alcohol is a depressant. It depresses your nervous system. It depresses your sensibilities. Someone said, why don't you drink? I said, one major reason. I need to be in total control of the little bit of sense I do have at all times so that I can honor and glorify God. Amen? And so as we look at this, the rapture is the time of joy for the Christian. It's also the trigger that begins all of the judgments in the book of Revelation. The battle of Armageddon as at the end of the tribulation period. That's when Satan will be bound and cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And Jesus will set up his kingdom on earth. This is the fulfillment of the promises If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Someone said, there's only one clear passage in the whole Bible that talks about a thousand years. Uh, Isn't that enough? Amen? You do not contradict Scripture. And again, as we study the, 
the book of Revelation. We're going to see some things and you're going to hear me repeatedly say, well, we're just not quite sure how this is going to work out. We do not know who the Antichrist, the beast, is. Nor will we know because we'll be in heaven before he makes his appearance. If you're saved. If you have heard the gospel, the best we can understand, if you have heard the gospel and rejected Christ, you will believe. You will be deceived when the imposter shows up. And we have all of these things happening, the mark of the beast, all of those things happen during the seven-year tribulation period. We also have the battle of Gog and Magog out of Ezekiel 38 and 39. The best we understand, that's going to happen during the tribulation period. That's where the armies of Russia come down through Damascus and try to attack Israel from the north. Years ago, uh, this would have been back in the early 80s, mid-80s, the Israeli army went into Damascus one of their many times and they found a tunnel that the Russians had been digging up there, stocked full of arms and ammunition for one of the largest armies in the history of the world. The Bible said that's where the Russian armies are going to come. So said, what happened to all of those arms? Well, they're actually being used today by Israeli defense forces. Amen? Uh, and that's a good thing, but it's going to happen. Russia has been wanting to do this forever. When I was a child, someone said, uh, we asked our Sunday school teacher the question, why, was, why does everybody want Israel? Why does everybody want that piece of land? One of his answers was this. If the United States owned the Dead Sea and all of the mineral rights there and could cash in on them, and this was in 1970-something, so uh, several years ago, it says that they could write a check to every American citizen. About then, our population was about 200 million, a check for $25,000. That's how valuable the Dead Sea and the mineral is. But let me tell you, it says God has put his eyes on the city of Jerusalem. Why do you think the world wants it? Because God said it belongs to me. Everything that God has set up good and right, man has tried to destroy, has he not? And so... Jesus will rule and reign. You'll often hear, I often repeat this, we will have true peace when the Prince of Peace rules the world from the city of peace. That's a thousand years. But it's not over yet. The devil is going to be released from the bottomless pit. And what is he going to do? There will be people who survived the tribulation period, human beings and human bodies, they will have children. They will continue on that thousand-year period. And the devil will marshal the armies of the world. They will surround the new Jerusalem, the holy Jerusalem. And it says fire will fall from heaven and destroy them. Then will come the resurrection of the dead and the great white throne and beginning eternity future. Let's go to our second slide. This is the 70 weeks of Daniel. This comes from Daniel chapter 9 and other passages here. It says, from the going forth, uh, let's just turn there, Daniel chapter 9. If you want to read the actual text here. Verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in, the ever, bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision, 
and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So as Daniel is receiving revelation from God, remember this, he was part of the captivity that was when Jerusalem was sacked about 604 B.C., just a little over 600 years uh, before Jesus was born. Daniel was taken to Babylon. He continued there all through the Babylonian Empire into the Persian Empire. Somewhere, probably in his later life, God gave him this revelation that there would be 70 weeks of history left for Israel. Then he divides it up into two period, three periods, actually. Verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks... Shall, the, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, we get to the end of the book of Daniel. And it says that the prophecy of Daniel is going to be sealed up until the end time. If you want to read some pretty wild stuff read commentaries on the book of Daniel that were written over 150 years ago. And uh, it will be bizarre. But we look, and it was in the 1880s, Sir Robert Anderson went through and did the math. We have seven weeks, 62 weeks, 69 prophetic weeks that is... Each week is a year, seven years. Each year, 360 days. So we take 69 times 7 times 60, and we get 173,880 days. That's a long time. It goes from March 14th, 445 B.C., the command to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, till April 632 A.D., the day Jesus rode the donkey through the gate on what we call Palm Sunday. Now, Mr. Anderson did all of these calculations, and I'm not going to redo them. Amen? Uh, he took the Jewish calendar, which is made up of 360 days, rather than our calendar, which is made up of 365 days. And you say, how is that all rectified? Uh, we don't have time tonight. Uh, but... Uh, once every 49 years, in the 50th year, God added a leap month. And so his calendar is just uh, as accurate and even more so than anything that we could imagine. But this is what we call the 70 weeks of Daniel. One week is left. It says he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. He the people of the prince that shall come, the people of the Antichrist. Let me tell you, no one has confirmed a covenant with Israel. And when Israel was born as a nation, they had to fight for their very existence. Their entire first year was one war right after another. How many wars has Israel fought since 1948 just to stay alive? I'll tell you, if you want some interesting reading, read the stories of the wars in Israel. It's amazing. Different things that have happened on more than one occasion. Everything was lost and a miracle happened. 
and they won the war. And God is interested in Israel being in the land. Let's go to the third slide, Brother Zach, here. And this is... Uh, that shouldn't be the third one. Try it again. It should be one that says timeline in heaven. Can you go to the next one see what we got? And um, this is just one that I just want to look at very quickly here. Uh, if we can get it up. There it is. That's it. We have several things that we often talk about. We talk about the judgment seat of Christ. That's where Christians will be judged for our works. Uh, as we go through the book of Revelation, we get to chapter 19. The saints are arrayed in linen, fine and white, which is the righteousness of the saints. The elders have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet, which are the rewards of the saints. And so somewhere... In the book of Revelation, early on, the judgment seat of Christ happens. And then it seems that at the end of the tribulation period is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The rapture of the church on earth. Then we begin the tribulation and the millennial kingdom. The second coming of Christ has two parts. And this is one that a lot of people criticize in our comprehension and understanding of the Bible. Why does Christ's coming have two parts? Well, how many of you remember Acts chapter 1? In like manner, as you've seen him go, he'll come again. Let me explain that. Who was present when Jesus went up in Acts chapter 1? Only the disciples. How many people knew about it? Only the disciples. In the book of Zechariah, in the Revelation chapter 19... We have Jesus coming back to earth. It says, every eye shall behold him. He's going to fight the battle of Armageddon. The, sit, the mountain on which Jerusalem sits is going to be split in half. And the entire city as we know it is going to be destroyed and remade by the king. How can you reconcile those two events to be the exact same thing? You can't. Therefore, we have Jesus meeting his church in the air. Beginning of the tribulation period, his coming to rule and reign, the end of the tribulation period. Both are the second coming of the Lord. It will be completely fulfilled. And when we get down a few slides, we'll go through the resurrections uh, of the book of Revelation, the resurrections of the end time, and we'll find out that they have several parts as well. We have the finish of the second coming of Christ, the millennial reign, the rebellion, and the great white throne, and then we have eternity future. Now, the next one should be battles of the end times, and let's look at that one quickly here. Battles of the end times, do you see that? Next slide. There we go. We have the six seals, which we'll get into, in, I mean, seven seals, which we'll get into in several minutes here. The seal number two is the red horse. He's going to take peace away from the earth. There's going to be war, but the great battles, we have the battle of Gog and Magog, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. If we understand the chronology correctly, they will be burying the dead of the battle of Gog and Magog into the millennial kingdom. It says there are going to be seven years burying the dead. Now that may mean that this battle of Gog and Magog actually happens at the beginning of the tribulation. We're not 100% sure all the days and times and events of these things. But at the middle of the tribulation, when we get to Revelation chapter 12 we're going to see that there's also going to be a war in heaven. And this is where Satan's wings are going to be clipped. He is the prince and power of the air. I've often heard Brother Clayton comment, you know why you have so much problem with your PA system? It's because it's airwaves. And the prince and the power of the air just loves to mess up public address systems, especially in churches. I'm not quite sure how true that all is, but... Uh, 
I'll tell you what, he does, the devil does seem to have a penchant for liking to mess up uh, uh, our microphones and things, and especially many years ago before we had all the technology we do today, you could be preaching in the pulpit Sunday morning and some trucker with an illegal CB comes running down the road and all of a sudden you're hearing this conversation over the PA system. And, uh, uh, and it wasn't always uh, pleasant or clean, but uh, we praise the Lord that things have gotten a little better since then. But the devil's title is the prince and power of the air, but it says he's going to be cast to the ground and his angels with him. That's going to be one of the reasons the last part of the tribulation period is going to be so violent and so vile is because the devil's energies are all going to be concentrated on surface earth. Imagine what's going to happen. Uh, Let's go to our next slide, which is the resurrections. Um, we have Christ. He is the first fruits. Amen. When Christ resurrected from the dead, what happened? It said many of the Old Testament saints came back to life and appeared to many in Jerusalem. We have the rapture of the church. This is going to be the resurrection of the saved. And we are going to be gathered together in heaven for the judgment seat of Christ. As we get into Revelation chapter 6 and 7, seal number 6 is going to be the cry of the tribulation martyred from underneath the throne of God. And he's going to tell them, you have to wait until the rest of your brethren that are killed during the tribulation. And there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous dead at the end of the tribulation. So all that are saved will enjoy the millennial kingdom with the Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you see, we have at least four parts to that first resurrection. We have... Christ, Old Testament saints, the Christians, the church age, and the tribulation saints. We have the millennium begins. Somebody said, what happens during the millennium? Well, the Bible is not very clear. But the best we can understand is you will be given a time period to choose Christ. And if you choose Christ, you will join the redeemed. If you do not, you will be put in the storage area, which is hell, to await the judgment of God. Now, just a note, people get all upset. They talk about hell an awful lot. But hell is not the end of the unsaved. Hell is only the storage area. It holds you until the great white throne. That is the second resurrection. That is the resurrection of the unsaved. When they are finished, everyone that shows up there is going to be judged and they're going to be baptized. They're going to be baptized with fire. It's interesting when John the Baptist explained Jesus' baptisms. He said he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. How many of you have ever turned on TBN and they say, you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire? Well, let me tell you something. That's not possible. You can't have both baptisms. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is salvation. The baptism of fire is the lake of fire, eternal damnation. And Jesus is the baptizer. He is the one that authorizes the Spirit to give you eternal life or the angels to bind you hand and foot and cast you into the lake of fire. It's not an anomaly. It's not some intervention of some medieval monk to write the lake of fire. Those words are there. And the word baptism is used. You're baptized in a body of water to symbolize the work of the Holy Spirit. 
If you refuse identification with Jesus Christ and salvation, by the way, baptism of water is not salvation, amen? But you refuse Jesus' baptism, guess what? You're going to be baptized the second time. Not the second time. You're going to be baptized after the second resurrection and in the lake of fire. Then time ends and we begin a period of eternity future. And any type of surmisal or guesswork or imagination used to describe eternity future is futile because the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, I've got a book that was written by one of the first men that began to really apply a literal and clear understanding to some of the scripture. His name's Clarence Larkin. Uh, But he goes nuts at the end of his book. He says that Jesus is going to put people on all the planets and they're going to inhabit all the planets in outer space and fill the universe and all these... Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Uh, everything as we know and understand will end at the great white throne judgment. We will enter eternity future and it's best left in God's hands. Amen? Now, let's see if you can see this next slide here. This is an overview of the judgments of the book of Revelation. If you'll remember, Jesus has just stepped out to pick up the seven-sealed book in the hand of him that sits upon the throne. That's where we left our study of the book of Revelation. And all heaven and all the universe fall down and worship to him that is worthy to take the book. He is going to begin to open those seven seals. And with each one of those seals is going to come a judgment. The first seven seals, uh, the first six seals, I'm sorry, are going to be opened. Then the seventh seal, when it opens, seven angels are going to be given seven trumpets and they'll prepare to sound or blow their trumpets. Those seven trumpets will sound. The last three trumpets are pronounced as woes. They're getting bigger in their scope. And when that seventh trumpet sounds, seven more angels will be given the vials or the pitchers or the containers of the final dregs of the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed about a cup. How many of you remember that? He said, I don't want to drink that cup, but Lord, Father, not my will, but thy will. Jesus took the wrath of Almighty God for you and I. You refuse to let him save you. You're going to find out what was in that cup. Because God's wrath is going to be poured out upon this earth. How many of you have ever had a chance to visit a blacksmith shop? Anybody? Okay, one. Okay. A couple. uh, Because the blacksmith shop is really the best example I can give to you of God's judgment. The blacksmith will take the steel, the bar that he's trying to form, and he will put it in the furnace and he will heat it up till it's red hot. Then he'll begin to mold that with his hammer. And at first, he'll beat slowly because the metal is very hot and it moves a lot. But as the metal begins to cool, he's going to hit harder and he's going to hit faster. And he's going to get to a point to where that final forming is going to be done in just minute movements. But the blows of the hammer are going to be incredibly rapid and hard. And it's called the tip hammer is where the he sits there and goes, boom, bam, boom, bam, and faster and faster. That, that is the greatest example I can give you of what's going to happen. God's judgments are going to come. The seal is opened. Then the next one is going to come. 
But the judgments are going to get bigger in scope and more rapid in succession until there's almost nothing left of this world. Let's look a little closer at the seven seals. Uh, Next one there, Brother Zach, there we go. The first seal is a white horse. He's given a bow, no arrows. It's interesting that we are talking today of conquering through peace. That's what Antichrist is going to do. He is going to use might, but he's not going to have to exercise that might. He is going to build a coalition of nations that are going to follow him. The second seal is the second horseman of the tribulation, and he is red. War. They're going to take peace from the earth. And we'll talk about the directions that the horsemen head is, uh, the horsemen are, are directed in as, as the Old Testament gives us prophecies in the New Testament. And then Jesus talks about the four horses in the book of Matthew. The third horse is black, famine. It talks about enough food. If you want wheat, you'll get one measure of wheat. That's enough to make one good cake, one good meal for a day's wages. If you can stand oatmeal, you might get three cakes for a day's wages. Three bowls of oatmeal. How would you like to live on that? Famine. It's interesting. The oil and the wine, the dainties are not going to be harmed. It's going to be the staples that support the individual lives. You know who's going to suffer? It's going to be the regular people. Then comes the pale horse. And that's been described as livid green, the color of death and decay. But death and hell is going to have two riders on that fourth horse. And you look at what happens. The, wo- the world has aligned itself many different times. The alliance is broken. War breaks out. What happens after war? Famine. What happens after famine? Death and starvation. The fifth seal is going to be the martyrdom of the tribulation saints. Now, that does not mean that we're waiting the whole way to seal number five. There's already a collection of these saints by the time we get to seal number five. And so all along, those that have believed in Jesus Christ are going to be persecuted for their faith in Christ by the people of Antichrist. We get to the sixth seal, and it says that there's going to be an earthquake that is going to shake the entire earth. I can't even imagine such a thing. They've said if New York City ever experienced a major earthquake, that we'd just have to close the place down and go somewhere else, whoever survived. Because there'd be no way, no human way, not in a hundred years, could you rebuild the infrastructure of this city after an earthquake. And then we go to the seventh seal, and we'll go to our next line, and seven trumpets appear. The first of the seven trumpets, one-third of all trees and all green grass and earth are burned up. Could you imagine such a thing? That's the first trumpet. The second trumpet... It talks about a burning mountain dropped into the sea. Somebody says, well, that's easy to figure out. That could be a nuclear weapon. Well, it's possible, but God doesn't need our missiles to get the job done. But it's not too hard to imagine with the technology that man has that a third of life in the oceans would be destroyed. Do you know what happens to us on earth if something happened to the oceans? 
The oceans are what keeps earth clean. You wonder why God made those deep valleys. All of the dirt and the filth is rain and runoff and pulled into the depths of the ocean. That's God's means of cleansing. What's going to happen when a third of the fresh, a third of the ocean is destroyed, and a third of life in the sea? Then we come to the third trumpet, and a great star named Wormwood. One third of the rivers and fountains become bitter, and many die. The next one is a third part of the sun and the moon and the stars are hid. A third part of the day and a third part of the night without any light. You know what? Our scientists have already talked about these things. They call it a nuclear winter. When the dust cloud actually blocks out all light from the sun, temperatures would drop 100 degrees as that cloud passes over. I mean, you're talking about things that we can't even imagine. Then the last three are the woes. Star falls from heaven and opens the bottomless pit. And out of the smoke of the bottomless pit come these locusts that torment men for five months. You don't die. You just suffer as if you were stung by a scorpion. Then we come the four angels, and people tried to make physical things out of that, but these last three are spiritual in, in their sequence. And so I, I believe that this is a spiritual thing that is going to happen, that these are going to be some kind of demonic forces that are going to accomplish this. And the release of four angels bound in the Euphrates River... Isn't it interesting how much stuff we have going on around the Euphrates River today? Does anybody know probably the most famous city in modern history that sits on the Euphrates River? Try Baghdad. Somewhere in that river, four demons that are bound. And when they're released, they're going to gather an army of 200 million soldiers. You know, people laughed at the Bible with that number, 200 million soldiers in one army until 1964, the year I was born, when China, Communist China, published that their home guard in 1964 numbered 200 million men. Wonder why they were so interested in announcing that number. Now, that doesn't mean it's all going to be Chinese. But the number 200 million is not hard to arrive at on a planet with six and a half billion people. And they're going to start marching west. And they're going to destroy everything in their path until they get to the city of Jerusalem. They're going to meet Jesus Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. These events are going to stretch out over the, the periods there. And then the seventh trumpet begins to sound. This is the third woe. And we come to the seven vile judgments. The next slide. We're going to try to get this done. All the worshipers of the beast, all those that have taken the mark of the beast, are going to break out in great stinking sores. And what that means is a, an infection that sets in and you have never had anything until you've smelled the infection, what it does to human beings. It's going to happen. The next thing that's going to happen as the second vial is poured out, all life in the sea dies. It says that this ocean is going to be turned into blood. Does that mean that physically it's going to be blood? I I don't know. Many things are figurative. It says, as the blood of a dead man, I believe. And that would turn the oceans into a thick brown glue. Everything there in the ocean would die. Then all of the rivers are going to do the exact same thing. The next is going to be darkness, and it says that they're going to gnash their teeth. The Euphrates River is going to be dried up, 
And we have the Battle of Armageddon, the greatest earthquake in the history of the world. No island is going to be left unmoved. No mountain is going to be left high. God is going to level the earth. And of course, if, you, if we understand the book of Genesis properly, when God created the earth, it was one continent and it was flat. You wonder where the people in Columbus, they got a flat earth? Well, actually, according to the Bible, it was pretty flat. But when the continents broke up with the flood, the mountains appeared. It's, it's really an interesting scenario. We don't have to, just a few moments. There's going to be hailstones, 100 pounds each. How many of you have ever been pea-sized hail outside? It'll give you a headache if it hits you. It'll dent your car. Softball-sized hail will knock planes out of the sky and break windshields and go right through roofs. A softball, I think the biggest hailstone we know of, weighs 2.2 pounds, about one kilo. Imagine a hailstone 50 times that size. There will not be a living thing left on earth that was outside when those hailstones fall. By the way, you could knock out an M1 Abrams tank with a 100-pound hailstone. It will pierce the armor. It's fallen from 50,000 feet. Just imagine what happens when 100 pounds falls that far. I mean, these are things that are beyond... And then this is where the, the blood is going to flow five foot deep. The entire Jordan Valley from the city of Jerusalem all the way to the foot of Megiddo. Babylon will be destroyed. And we come here to our last slide. And this is just a little fuzzy here, but I hope it, you can see it. What we have is just for sake of understanding, trying to put this all in. We've got actually clusters of events. We don't know when all of these things are going to happen, but right about the same time, we're going to have the rapture of the church, the peace treaty between the, be the beast and, or the Antichrist and Israel. The beast is going to ascend to world power, but before he ascends to world power, the Bible tells us that he is going to be assassinated. He is going to be wounded in the head. And he's going to live. Now just stop and think about all of the hullabaloo surrounding the John F. Kennedy assassination. Imagine what would have happened if he had been pronounced dead as he was. And a week later he walks into the White House perfectly whole. That's what's going to happen to the Antichrist. He is going to, in essence, reenact the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember Menachem Schneerson of the Lubavitcher community when he died? Do you remember the radio and the television? They had those young Jewish guys, wait till the third day! Well, he's still dead. But Antichrist won't. All of these things are going to happen and then just a matter of hours or weeks, we are going to have this man ascend to world authority and the temple in Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt. Sacrifice is going to start being offered again on an altar on the holy mount in Jerusalem. We get to the middle of the tribulation period and the Antichrist is going to ascend into that temple and sit in the Holy of Holies and claim to be God. The best we understand, the Jewish people are finally going to wake up as a people and understand that only Jesus Christ could be their Messiah. And that's going to spell the time of great torture and punishment for them. There'll be a great earthquake. Mystery Babylon will be destroyed, Satan will be cast to earth, the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, not being able to buy a loaf of bread without pledging allegiance and worship to the beast, 
is all going to happen at the middle point of the tribulation. Then we get to the end. We have the two witnesses that are going to be prophesying and they're going to be smiting the earth with plagues while all of these other things are going on. And at the end, we have Armageddon, the winepress of the wrath of God. Babylon the Great is destroyed. Christ returns and sets up his kingdom. The new Jerusalem, the devil is locked up and the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire where they will wait out the millennial kingdom in and, and wait for the rest of the unsaved dead to join them. At the end of the thousand years, we have the great white throne, the second judgment. We have all of the events, and the Bible says it is finished. All of God's wrath will be satisfied and poured out, and we will enter eternity future. It is then, after the great white throne judgment, that God wipes away all tears from their eyes. It will only be then that the former things will be passed away. You say, now what is the, what is the purpose of all of these things? Well, God wants us to know and understand certain things. He also wants us to be prepared for his return. And he wants us to be about our father's business telling others. So, if you want to understand what you should do, it's just grab the scriptures and start being obedient. If you're not saved, get saved. If you're saved, get baptized. If you're baptized, get serving in the church. Because we do not know when Jesus is coming back. And so I hope that I haven't just added to the confusion, but we have a general time period of general sequence of things that is repeated over and over in the scriptures. And I've tried to do that tonight to help us see and understand these things. Let's just have a short word of prayer. And again, we'll be putting this study on hold. Uh, until uh, the middle of January. And then we'll be picking up again after the holidays. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. If you need to just slip out and spend a little time at the altar, the altar's open. We won't have any music right now. Uh, Just a moment of silence. And uh, if you'd like to pray.